Hi, this is Carrie. And this is Sandy. And this is Crime, Crime Bitches, Bitches Countdown. Countdown. Starting this week, we're going to change up how our podcast is organized. Up until this point, we've been releasing one podcast every other week containing 10 cases. We've noticed that our podcasts have been quite lengthy. In order to reduce the length of each of our podcasts, but still give you the same amount of content, what we've decided to do is take our 10 cases and record them in two parts. The second part will be released a week after the first part. This way, you'll get a new podcast every week, still get the same amount of cases, reduced length. We hope you enjoy. Today, we're focused on sort of a controversial topic. Police officers who become killers, both current and former police officers. Now, we're not talking about cops who kill in the line of duty. We are talking about police officers who go from upholding the law to intentionally breaking it. There's no research into the number of police officers who become intentional killers. So unfortunately, we have no statistics today. Police who kill do so for many reasons. You'll see that they become serial killers either for personal gain or for revenge, but they all appear to have used their knowledge as officers to try and get away with murder, and some succeed for a very long time. At the end of the day, though, we believe that most police officers get into this line of duty for the right reasons and are generally good. There will always be those that abuse their power and authority, and unfortunately, others who pay for it. Although this list includes some very bad cops, please don't think that this means all cops are bad. We definitely don't think that. These men and women put their lives on the line in order to protect and serve their communities. Ultimately, we believe most are there to do just that. All right, so we're going to start with a guy named Christopher Dorner. Now, I don't know if you'll remember this case. It was back in the early 2000s. Um, it was all over the news, though. I just remember it being, and I'm lying to you. It wasn't the early 2000s. It was uh, 2010s. All right, so Christopher Dorner uh, joined the Navy Reserve in 2001. He was uh, described as an expert marksman, and he served through 2007, but he was honorably discharged then, and I couldn't find anything about why. I don't know if it was like a, you know, he wanted to just be out of the service. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's how they do it. Like, I, I don't know that you can, you can just get out of the service. Like, there has to be a reason for honorable discharge. And that's what I thought. It's not like you just served your four years, right? No, because then you just get out. You're, you've done your term. But discharge usually means you're getting out beforehand. Your and, term is over. Yeah, and I couldn't find anything about exactly why. But everything I read about him said, like, he was this exemplary guy. Like, he was just... Well, I'm sure if he's military, they're not going to say anything else. <laughs> but even, like, neighbors and other people. Every, okay. But, of course, we've watched the news. I mean, they all say that. I never would have exactly. thought that I he was a killer. So, th this just teaches us to be wary of your friendly neighbors and your, your introverted neighbors who seem like jackasses. Probably are just jackasses. Where your nice neighbors, watch out, they could be killers. Yep, that's why we just own that we're bitches. Exactly. But, uh, and, and it's a shame, and I'm not gonna, I feel bad in a way saying this, and in a way I don't. I mean, he's actually 
he was actually a really good looking guy. I mean, there's this one picture of him from the, the military where he, he just has this great smile. He just looks like the kind of guy you'd want to know. Um, so he was black. I need to tell you that because it becomes pertinent later. Okay. You know, I don't really care. No. Uh, he joined the LAPD in 2005. He had training, which you complete like a year later. Mm-hmm. In 2007, he filed a complaint against his training officer. Now, Interesting. She was white. Her name was Teresa Evans, and he claimed that uh, she kicked a mentally ill man in the head Ooh. while he was handcuffed and on the ground. Wow. Yeah, now, I complained about that, too. Right, exactly. Now, she denied it. Of course. Okay. There were three other officers that were there who were witnesses, and they all said, nah, not true. Hmm, interesting. But the victim said it was true, that it did happen. Also interesting. Now, they had to obviously open an investigation. Of course. They went through everything, and they decided that he was making a false claim, and they fired him. He appealed it multiple times. All the appeals were denied. And his last appeal was 2011. Hmm. So at that point, he he was pretty much done, I think. Now, before everything happened, or before most of this happened, I should say, he posted a manifesto on Facebook. And it talked about... That's never good. No, no. People pay... Don't post manifestos on Facebook. That just gets you charged with something. It's true. It's true. And he also sent a package to Anderson Cooper at CNN. Oh. Pretty much saying what he was going to do before he did it. So do you think that's more of a cry for help? Like, hey, please stop me? No, I don't at all. I think he fully expected the package to get there after... Got it. ...things took place. Um... And it was more of a, this is why I'm doing it. Because things that were in his manifesto, I didn't write down a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons I brought up the race issue is because he said he was fired because of racism. Okay. Um, True, not true. Who knows? knows? Uh, He went on a lot about people and um, treating other people wrong. There was a lot about racism. Apparently, like, when he was a kid, he'd faced racism and dealt with it. I'm sure. So... That was kind of a factor in his life, and he really felt that that was the reason he got fired. Wow. So February 3rd, 2013, he shot a woman named Monica Kwan. She was 28. She was with her fiancé, Keith Lawrence. He was 27. He was shot as well. They were sitting in their own car in a parking garage. Now, what you have to know is Monica was the daughter of a man named Randall Kwan, and he was an LAPD captain. And he had represented Dorner during his hearings for uh, the firing. Mm -hmm. And Dorner had made a Facebook post and warned him what the consequences were going to be because of his firing. So this guy is defending him in court, trying to represent him, and yet he fires back at him. Because he felt that the guy didn't do good enough. Obviously. So... So you take it out on his daughter. Yes. which... Which, Quan also makes me think... Of Asian descent. Yeah, I don't which know for sure. I'm sure they would have dealt with some racism in their life. So I, I just find it a little bit hypocritical, maybe? Yeah, and I mean, my thing is, if the guy was defending you, like, he could have not defended you. Like, I, yeah. I don't know how that works if he was mandatorily yeah, exactly. defending him or what. But True. But yeah, he went after the daughter because of the father. Which is terrible. So is. She didn't do anything. He killed them, and then he posted his manifesto. That was on the 3rd. On the 7th, now, now obviously, a manhunt was underway. They kind of suspected that it was him. Um, 
they were looking all over for him. Now, in the manifesto, another thing that uh, he had put in there was basically a list of all the people who had wronged him. Wow. Which were a lot of police officers. I'm sure. So they sent out uh, a bunch of officers to protect the people who were named in the manifesto. So that's important, too. On February 7th, he pulled up in a pickup truck next to a police car at a red light, and he shot at two officers with a rifle, no less. Michael Crane, who was 34, he was hit seven times in his head, shoulder, and thigh, and then even severed his jugular vein. Wow. He wasn't playing around. Seven times? Seven times. And in the car also was a trainee named Andrew Takayas. He was struck in the back, legs, and arms, and he was very critically injured, but he actually survived. So that's good. He fired at two other officers who tried to stop him. So he really wasn't even concerned with who he was who he was attacking at this point. Well, I think he was mostly going after officers. Well, that's what I mean. Like he he, but he didn't care who. It was just if they were cops. Yep, yep. I think he just was against cops at that point. He uh. He evaded the police, and he went 100 miles east of L.A. to a little town called Big Bear, which was in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, police found his truck burned out. He had apparently carjacked somebody and took their car so that they wouldn't trace him. Right. Police were so antsy, I guess is the best word for it, about him. And, like, they knew he was he had no qualms about taking out cops. And they were worried about, you know, these uh, cops that were named. So a couple of the police who were monitoring one of the houses got a little uh, paranoid. Mm-hmm. They saw a pickup truck coming. <gasps> they didn't. So they fired 100 shots at it. 30 of the shots missed completely, and it had two Hispanic women in it. They were both injured. Luckily, they both survived. They also shot at another man in a pickup truck. So it was just like... Random pickup trucks, they were just, okay, there's so much wrong. First of all, you shot 100 shots at a random pickup truck with not even confirming that it was the dude. You missed 30 times. Can I be a jerk? 30% of the time, you are not hitting. I think you need to go back to training. Just just saying. Right, I was thinking of stormtroopers. <laughs> I'm like, how do you miss, like, if you shot 100 shots, they should be dead. Like, I'm glad they're not dead. Don't get me, me wrong. Me too. But. So I'm glad you weren't dead. trained that well, but. A hundred shots, yeah. And, I mean, they were in a neighborhood, so shots were hitting other people's cars, houses, like, people were taking cover in their own homes. So, at that point, you're more concerned with your own well-being, which I understand cops are under a lot of duress, but you're supposed to serve and protect. And you're doing the exact opposite in this case. The only people you're serving and protecting is yourself, and you're putting the rest of anyone in the near vicinity or anyone driving a pickup truck at the time at severe risk. It was basically a panic thing. Yeah, and not and it's cool. a shame because that's that's just bad police work. Yeah. Um so Jim and Karen Reynolds, they own this Mountain Vista resort and they were there cleaning out the rooms. They get into room two oh three and Dorner was there hiding. Hmm. They uh interacted with him like mm-hmm. he came out of the room he tied him up, he, and he took their car. Now, he didn't kill them. Once they got free, they called the police. There was a reward of $1.2 million, And Dang. this was a nine-day manhunt that went on. So he took his car, shot at the police, and then ditched the car in a snowbank and carjacked another car. 
Wow. Police found him. He was holed up in a cabin, and basically there was no way out for him. So they found him, and he shot two more officers. Jeremiah McKay uh, was killed, and Alex Collins was injured. He got shot in the arm, chest, face, and legs. So, I mean, he really goes all over. Yeah. So in the cabin, they were trying to get him to come out, and he wouldn't uh, Not turn. Not surprising. Wouldn't, what's the word I want? Surrender. Surrender, thank you. I couldn't think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wouldn't surrender, and so they actually, he got some, they got some kind of construction vehicle. Got it. Okay, and uh, they broke the side of the building oh. to try to get in, mm-hmm. and he threw out uh, these green smoke canisters, mm-hmm. so, so police deployed pyrotechnic canisters, which seems kind of, I, I don't really know exactly what tools they have, okay? Right. Pyrotechnic means fire. Yep. So, you basically, and, and I don't know if the intention is to catch things on fire, mm-hmm. or if it is just sparks to scare somebody out. Like, yeah. I don't know. But even sparks can catch things on fire. And you're in a wood cabin. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. So, the cabin so they basically, on fire. they basically threw a firework in there, and it caught on fire. Surprise, yep. surprise. And then they heard a single gunshot. They couldn't get the fire, like, they couldn't go in because the fire spread so quickly. Of course. Um, once the fire went out and they got in there, they found that he had actually committed suicide. Not wholly surprised by that. No, not at After all. After the destruction that he caused. No, and it's a shame, and it's a shame his life went that way because everything I read about him, like, he was such an upstanding guy up until that point. Yeah, it's kind of sad that, you know, life kind of triggered, you know, I'm sure he was just trying to, and let's just say, for instance, like, he that really happened to that that you know disabled gentleman and the other cops that were there were just covering because you know cops cover for cops they do you know i could understand why that would twist somebody and jade somebody really badly i don't know that i would ever go obviously go to the extent that this guy has i wouldn't take it out on everybody because just because a couple people are flawed doesn't mean they all are And I agree with that. I mean, some of these were parents. I mean, not that it matters. Everybody has loved ones. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he he killed some of these officers who had young children. And you're not just affecting that officer. Yeah. You're affecting... That ripple effect goes out so far. Exactly. And that's just not right. Yeah, it's a shame. It is a shame. So, I I did not focus on just the U.S. Cool. So, I'm just going to tell you that. Interesting. So our next one is actually from Germany. Cool. His name was Norbert Poel- Poelke. Okay. Not sure I'm ever going to pronounce that correctly. I'm sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> he was nicknamed the Hammer Killer. Did so, he kill with a hammer? Uh, it's possible. It's it's not very clear from his nickname. Wow. <laughs> so, um, I don't actually think he killed with a sledgehammer, but you'll you'll. I'll understand the nickname. Got it. So, he was employed as a police officer starting in 1982. He was married. He had two sons and a daughter. His daughter died in 1984 from a brain tumor when she was only three. That sucks. Yeah, it really does. Uh, May 3rd, 1984. uh, He killed a man named Siegfried Feitzer, who was 47. They found him shot in the head at a highway rest stop, and his car was found a quarter mile away from his body. The car was linked to a bank robbery that had taken place earlier in the day, um, and the suspect smashed the teller window with a sledgehammer. 
and took money. Got it. So, uh, later that year, in December, um, they found a man named Eugene, Eugene Wafey, who was 37, and he was also shot to death at a rest area, and his car was used a week later in a bank robbery with, by a man with a sledgehammer, so. Linked? I'm gonna go with yes. Okay. (laughs) Similar MO and all that, you know. You don't want to change it up. You get into no, you get your flow, you, you get know? your pattern. All right, so July nineteen eighty five, they found Wilfried Schrader, who was twenty six, dead in a parking lot, and he had been shot with a Walther P five pistol, mm. which was a common police issue yeah. pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found his car at the scene of another bank robbery. Imagine that. Let me guess: the bank robbery was had somebody breaking in with a sledgehammer. How did you know? I'm good. Oh my god. I'm psychic. I can't believe you know it. <laughs> it's like you read this stuff. I know. Um, later that year in September, they were searching a railway railway station for bombs, and it doesn't really tell me why. Like, I don't know if they got a threat or something. I was going to say, that's interesting. We just randomly yeah. search railways for bombs. I'm guessing they got some kind of a threat. Um, and while they were searching, they found a police uniform in a locker, and it was traced back to Polalki. Hmm. He claimed it was left there. When he had to change quickly for a funeral. But, uh... That's an interesting place to change for a funeral <laughs> at a railway station. I mean, it, it might make sense if you have to travel to get to the... I mean, maybe? But, yeah. But you'd think you'd go back for your uniform? Exactly. Don't you don't want to just be leaving police uniforms all over the place. But I guess they thought it was weird, too. Yeah, I imagine. Because they kind of dug into his history, and they saw there had been no recent family deaths in, or anything. Oh. And the most recent one had been his daughter, which was over a year before. So they were a little suspicious. Yeah, I could understand that. In October, Poalki took sick leave. Hmm. Just randomly was like, I gotta be out. So, a few days later, the police went to question him, just about the uniform again, and if he knew anything. But nobody answered the door. When they entered the house, because they had suspicions... They found his wife shot twice in the head in the bathroom, and one of his sons was in a bedroom shot dead. Dang. A couple days later, they found Poelki and his other son near Italy in what was a clear murder-suicide, and his pistol was confirmed as the weapon in the murders. So what he was guilty. You, yeah, but like, what makes you... Okay, I get the bank robbery thing. I get, you know, killing people, getting their cars, using it for bank robberies. Okay. What makes you turn against your family? You know, in a lot of cases, what I've read, and I'm not saying this is the case for him, but it's like being ashamed. They don't want their family to know what they've done. So they take them out before they can find out. Yeah. But still. You would think you, that would be shameful. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, that's the last like, thing they're going to remember is you killed them. Well, obviously. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. that really came out I terrible. I don't know that you're going to remember. <laughs> but, like, his second son that he took with him, obviously he knows, like, mom and other and brother are not coming along for this so-called trip to Italy. Something's got to be weird there. You would think. You would think. And it's so a real sad. shame. So. so sad. But I'm guessing his motivation was the money. I guess. I mean, I don't know that cops get paid that well. I mean, the benefits, yeah, pension and all that, I can understand, but I don't I don't think they're paid like... I don't like... think they make enough money for the job they do. No. I mean, definitely not in the U.S. I, I don't know about Germany, but... That I don't know either. Um, I have no idea how they're paid there. No. 
Alrighty. Let's move on. We're going to go to Russia now. Ooh, Russia. Mikhail Popkov. I like that name. Which reminds me of, like, vodka. Is there a reason that reminds me of vodka, Popkov? Kof, maybe. Popov. I think there's a, there's a vodka called Popov or something. I don't know. Anyway. Okay, Alki. Yeah, shut up. Leave me <laughs> my alcohol alone. All right. So he was nicknamed the Russian werewolf or the werewolf killer. Ooh. He worked as a police officer until 1998, and that's when he switched over and started work as a security guard. Makes the murders sense. were committed between 1992 and 2010. So after his stint as a cop. During. Oh, um, during. The murder started in 1992, and he started oh. as a police officer in 1998. Got it. Or he worked as an officer until 1998, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it was a couple then, years before he finished his... Now, his, his MO was basically, he would offer women a ride home, and if they accepted, he would take them to the woods and rape, torture, and kill them. Oh. And if they didn't accept, he just was like, cool, peace out. And, left. and then he would leave? Yep. All the more reason not to accept rides from strangers. Well, his reason was basically he said that he was cleaning up the neighborhood of immoral women, and women who were willing to just take a ride with a stranger must be immoral. Oh, of course. You know. They could not just need a ride home. They have right. to, there's something got to be wrong with them. Right. And I don't know, like, in other countries what hitchhiking is like. I know here it it's very frowned upon, but people do it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you're a hooker. No, or a killer. So... I don't know. I don't get it. So he was cleaning up the neighborhood. He used different weapons, uh, sometimes even weapons that he took from police evidence. Oh. Which is... No, no. Well, it's an interesting way to do it because... It is. Because then, is it going to be linked to you or is it going to be like... Well, they have record. They should have record of things going into evidence and things coming out of evidence. Well, should. And again, this is in another country. So we don't know how their systems are set up. And... And just because it's supposed to be doesn't always mean it is. Exactly. Um, and how many times, like, I'm sure people are like, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. Exactly. Tomorrow doesn't come. And nobody notices because it's not a high-profile case or whatever. Yep. Some of his victims he stabbed as many as 170 times. Oh, my god. And that's gosh. kind of where he got the nickname from because they basically said it looked like their bodies were shredded by, like, a wolf. Yeah. So that's kind of where he got the name from. That's some severe rage going on there. Yeah, 170 like, times. Like, your arm's got to be tired, dude. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but trying to stab someone more than 10 times, I'm already think- getting tired thinking about it. Not that I would stab anybody any amount of times, are, are but you like. Are thinking about stabbing no. someone 10 times? Because <laughs> I think we have to talk. But you like. You have to leave. The, the excessive rage and that. Where does that come from and why? Well, and if it's really immoral women, like. I don't know. That's also, that's also kind of weird. It is. I feel like that's just an excuse. If it was personal, like, you could almost understand the rage there. But I don't understand it. And I'm sure, like, through, I mean, through his time as a cop, I'm sure he met a lot of immoral people, but he didn't just go killing them. Yeah. But he targeted this group. Maybe he was rejected by a woman once, and who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, the actual number of his victims is unknown. They speculate it could be over 200. But whoa, whoa. Yeah. But it is it is not known. Um, 
The victims were all women between the ages of 16 and 40, except for one who was a male police officer. And it doesn't tell me why he killed this officer. Like, I don't know if it was somebody who was getting close to him. Right. If it was just, like, there's In no way. reason for it. Um, there was a victim that survived. He slammed her head into a tree and she passed out and didn't remember anything. Somebody found her and took her to the hospital and she woke up there. And she told people it was a police officer, but hmm. they didn't believe her course not um another survivor had actually identified him but his wife was also a police officer and provided an alibi so they were like two cops no no way again cops covering from for cops husband wife covering for each other that's a recipe for disaster yep so they started interviewing police after this um thinking maybe there was something to that and they were asking police to voluntarily give dna uh, 3,500 officers participated in that, which is quite a significant number. It is. And Popkov did, too. He he was like, here, take my DNA. There had also been um, tire marks near some of the victims. So police took the, the interviews they did and everything like that, as well as looking at the type of car, mm-hmm. and kind of narrowed down their search to a couple of people that they really wanted to look into, and he was one of them. So wait, like, his wife covered for him, so she had to know something was up. That I don't know, and it it says they don't think that she knew, but... Yeah, but if you're having to provide an alibi, and you know he wasn't home, but you're saying he was anyway, like... my husband came home and was like, I was with you last night, and that's what you need to tell people, I'd be like, and you need to get the fuck out. Yeah, I'd be like, (laughs) um, unless you're gonna tell me why, then no. Yeah, pretty much. Then straight up, no. I'm not going to lie for you. No. Uh-uh. Um, after he gave his DNA, I guess he was kind of like, hmm, that might have been stupid. Maybe. <laughs> and he ran away. He took off. Like you do. So police tracked him down and they arrested him in June 2012. Um, they found out he had an STD from one of the victims. <gasps> so Ew. that linked him again. Um, he was convicted in 2015 of 22 murders and sentenced to life. And then he was convicted in 2018 of an additional 56 murders and given a second life sentence. Wow. So, I mean, I don't math good. What was that? 80? No. That's nope, like not 78. 80. 78, yes. You math better. Ooh. That's crazy. Could you imagine being his wife? Like, did he take his wife? Did he go off on his own? Did she know about the ST? Like, there's so many questions in my head about this, dude. I'm so glad I'm not the only person who's no. like that. Did I did I tell you about the uh the meme that I saw that is so me and it was no. like I'm not a ride or die chick I have questions like, yeah. where are we going and why do I have to die <laughs> I'm like that's me that's 100 percent me because I want to know where what was the STD exactly what, did your what wife kind? not know exactly well, did she get it wife. was your wife not sleeping with you and that's why you decided to do it? like there's just so many questions here yeah and unfortunately some of the ones that are from other countries are a little bit harder to get information on. Well, yeah, and we don't really understand the culture, so there's other things that could be happening that we just don't understand because it's not how we do things in the U.S. or whatever. But, like, that's why that's why I couldn't do military. I respect anybody who can do military. Like, more power to you, and I, I respect the hell out of you for, for doing doing your duty to, the, to our country. But, like, I just can't accept someone saying, here, do this, and blindly being like, okay. Like, I no. agree. I, I agree. I, I can't. I'm either just too damn stubborn or too bullheaded probably both when i think you and i are both also the same about you know i understand war is uh 
sometimes a necessary evil. I don't yeah. agree always. And unfortunately, innocent people are killed as part of a war. Correct. And I am so against that. Like, yeah. it goes back for me. If you have a problem with so-and-so, kill so-and-so. Exactly. Not a whole bunch of innocent people. Exactly. Which is why, like, in some of these cases, like the first case, the guy's just killing any officer. Like, there's a list of people you have problems with. I get that. But why are you killing any officer that you can you, you find? Like, they didn't do anything to you. The, the, off, the captain's daughter, she didn't do anything to you. Yeah. I understand you're trying to, to punish the captain, but she didn't do anything to you. Leave it alone. Yeah. That, that's something I'll never understand is when you kill a child to as revenge exactly. or spite or whatever. I I don't get that. Well, I don't I don't understand killing like killing children or, or animals. Like these are Isn't it sad that we understand killing yes. adults? <laughs> it We're really like you want to kill is. an adult? Cool. Go no problem. <laughs> but children don't and kill animals. Yeah, no. Children and animals they're so innocent. You know? Yeah, you would think, and especially when it's your own kid, but okay, we're getting off topic, yeah. so we're going to stop there. So, next case. Antoinette Frank. That's who we're going to talk about. Ooh, a girl. Yes, I actually have two girls, I think. Nice. Um, Okay, she applied to the New Orleans Police Department in 1993. She got caught lying in several areas of the application, and she failed two psych evaluations, so she wasn't hired right away. Wait, right away? <laughs> So she'd be hired shortly after because uh, the New Orleans Police Department was short-staffed due to losing officers because of corruption. So there's a whole bunch of things happening okay, here. Okay, let's unpack that for a second. <laughs> like, you're obviously having problems with officers with corruption anyway. You've caught someone lying on their application. They, they failed psych evals. And you're still okay with bringing them on. What? Maybe your interview process is slightly flawed. Would this person succumb to corruption or other misdeeds? Quite possibly. They failed their psyche, Val. I mean, here's... The, and that's the thing. Like, you're losing officers to corruption, so you're hiring people who are not qualified to do the job. I think that just breeds your problem. Exactly. That's my point, <laughs> is like... Maybe you're the problem yeah. in how you're evaluating people and then deciding who to hire. Because and you might as well just hire Joe Schmo, you know, rapist down the street. Well, and that's kind of what I was just going to say. Like, you know, you're short-staffed, I get it, but you don't just hire just anybody. I mean, this is a job where you're supposed to be protecting people and doing the right thing. Exactly. Which clearly there are people who are qualified and don't do the right thing. I don't think hiring non-qualified people... Is the way to go. Exactly. And how is that going to look when this person, who again, failed psych eval, does something wrong? What's that going to look like back on your department when you were the person that decided to hire them knowing that they lied and failed psych eval? I guess they don't care. Apparently. I don't know. So in November 1994, this is a little confusing, okay? Um, Antoinette was investigating a shooting where one of the suspects was a known drug dealer. Although some sources say he wasn't the suspect, he was the person who was shot. So, like, I couldn't find definitive information on that, which you think would be freaking clear, but it's not. Yeah. So either he was the suspect or he was the person shot. Not sure. His name was Roger Lacays, and uh, he was 18 years old. At the time, she was 23. She would fall in love with him, of course. Of course. Um, because, you know, drug dealers. Mm -hmm. Uh she let him drive her police car. 
which is oh, a big no-no. No. Took him on calls with her. A big no-no. And introduced him as a trainee. Wow. So, yeah. So, surprise, surprise, someone that lied on their application was doing things against the book. Could you ever suspect such a thing? I wouldn't. No, never. Yeah. This person's not going to get in trouble at all. You no. give them absolute power, and then, then you expect them to, to behave. It's crazy. There were a lot of sources that said they had a sexual relationship, although she would deny that. Um, it never really said if he denied it or not, but... From everything I read, I mean, it kind of sounded like they had a relationship, but she just was like, no, no, we just, we just were friendly. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. You're risking your career for somebody you're just friendly with. A career you shouldn't have in the first place, by the way. Yeah, 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 well, crazy talk. So there was this officer, his name was Ronald Williams, and um, he ran a security detail. Now, I don't fully understand this either. But uh, he ran a security detail for a Vietnamese restaurant okay. called Kim An. Now, what mm -hmm. I don't understand is why you need security for a restaurant. I don't know if they had, like, a club or, like, if it was just a bad neighborhood. Like, I have no idea Maybe why. they had a previous incident or something. Yeah, like, maybe it, it was... I really don't know. I got nothing. So, but he ran the security detail, and he would, when he couldn't find anybody else, he would let Antoinette come and do the job, because this was an off off-duty off job to make some extra money. March 4th, 1995, uh, Antoinette and LaPaze had been at the restaurant. They went there twice, which was a little odd. Very. Um, after the second time, the owner's daughter couldn't find her key to the door, and she, she wasn't sure where it went, hmm. but she kind of figured something wasn't right when um, she went into the kitchen to get money to pay William. And when she came back into the dining area, she saw Frank and Lakays coming to the door. Um, and she thought she just thought something was off. You know how you get that feeling? Feeling, yeah. She got concerned. She ran back to the kitchen and hid the money in the microwave. Good for her. Yeah, smart. It, was, it was smart. Smart and Dumb. not good at the same time. So Antoinette used the stolen door key to enter. She pushed Chow, was the girl, her brother Kwok, and another employee to the kitchen. Uh, Williams began to follow them, and LaCaze shot him in the back of the neck, severing his spinal cord. Oh. He paralyzed him, and, uh, he was laying on the floor, and LaCaze shot him again in the head in the middle of the back, killed him. Frank turned around, uh, back to find Chow, who, by the way, was 23, I want to tell you that. Hmm. Kwok was 18, and the other employee, I'm not sure, um, it didn't even name them, hmm. so. Probably underage. Yeah, it could be. Uh, they hid in the back of a walk-in cooler. And turned out the lights, figuring that, you know, they wouldn't look in the cooler. Mm -hmm. Which was smart. It was smart, but uh, unfortunately, they had another sister, Ha, who was 21. And Kwong, um, who I want to say was 17. They were somewhere in the restaurant. They were in the dining room, sweeping mm -hmm. the floors. And when Frank Antoinette couldn't find them, she um, went to find Ha and Kwong. Mm -hmm. And demanded to know where the money was, but they didn't know where Chow put it. Right. So, they couldn't tell her. Yeah. You know? Um, ha was shot three times mm. while kneeling and pleading for her life. Kwong was pistol whipped and shot six times. Kwok left the cooler after they heard them leave. Mm -hmm. And he ran to a friend's house to call 911. 
I don't know why, like, I don't know if he didn't want to, like, be out in the restaurant in mm-hmm. case they came back. Right. Or, and cell phones weren't working in the cooler. Mm-hmm. So, I guess he just, that was why, like, he had a friend nearby and just ran. Antoinette dropped LaCaze off um, at an apartment, and then she heard the 911 call come over the radio, so she went back to the scene, which mm. is kind of dumb. Yeah, a little bit. Because, well, and I don't know if she... She had to know people were still alive because she didn't kill them. Exactly. And so, obviously there was a 911 call, so somebody called. Yeah. So I, why would you go back? But I mean, of course, they could identify her anyway um, because they knew who she was. Mm-hmm. She came in through the back of the restaurant. Chow had ran to the door when the officers pulled up and told them that Antoinette had done it. They took Antoinette to headquarters and she confessed. Why would you go back to the... If you had the key, why would you go to the restaurant when people were there? Why not just go when people aren't there? That would be my thought. Um, it, there's one point where it said, like, she knew where they usually kept the money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, why? I mean, unless they took the money with them every night and that was why. Like, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but... maybe. It just... It would occur to me that, you know, less witnesses and all that kind of yeah, stuff. And because this Maybe was... go when they're not home. Yeah. Because, what did I say, this was in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, I doubt they had much in in terms of security. Right, exactly. You know, like, Obviously, cameras. Yeah, well, they needed a police detail, so I imagine they didn't. Yeah, so I would think, I, I wouldn't go back, but that would just be me. I mean, I would get myself an alibi as quickly as possible. Yeah, but you're smart. I don't think I could get away with a murder, though. <laughs> So there's so much to think about. <laughs> it really is. It's way too much to consider. Exactly. I just don't have the patience. I don't either. Um, the I case was the case was found guilty and sentenced to death. Antoinette mm-hmm. was found guilty and sentenced to death. Her execution date's been set multiple times and overturned each time. She's still on death row and she continues to appeal even now. I wonder what reasoning she gave for all of this. I failed my psyche, though. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I really think that she just... She wasn't she was right after, to begin with. She was after the money. I yeah. mean, that's really what it came down to. Um, and it sucks because, I guess, I think, as far as I know, this was her first attempt at something mm-hmm. like this, and she fucked it up. So, oh. couldn't even get away with anything. Jeez. Um, Lacay's appealed as well, and initially his appeals were denied, but then he was resentenced to life without parole. Hmm. So... But she's still on death row. That's interesting. Now, I think we talked about this recently in one of the episodes about death row. And I don't even know at this point if anyone is ever going to be actually executed Mm -hmm. anymore. Right, because they're saying lethal injection is cruel and unusual. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're okay with doing it to our pets. That's fine. We love our pets. We care more about our pets than we do people. But killing humans in this way is cruel and unusual. You know what? If it's cruel and unusual, just go back to the firing squad. I'm totally down. I'm okay with it. All right. Number five. Five. We're going to talk about a guy named Robert Frada. Hmm. Robert was married to a woman named Farah, and they had three children together, two boys and a girl. He had been a police officer. and Well, he had been a public safety officer. And this was in Texas. And I guess they were cross-trained. Um, public safety officers were cross-trained as police and firefighters. So that's kind of crazy. Like, Is that like a glorified crossing guard? I don't think so. I think it's more than that. And I think that they... 
quite frankly, I've never heard that term, public safety officer. Yeah, unless unless it was in our crossing guards. Yeah, exactly. That's really what they were called. Oh, God. That's why I'm um, like, uh, you're a crossing guard that was cross-trained as police and firemen. No, mm. I'm pretty sure he, had, he, he did a little bit more than that. If anybody knows what a public safety officer in Texas is, could you, could you let us know? Because I would love to figure that out. Anyway. So he was abusive toward his wife um, because, of course, he was. And she kind of got tired of it. So she filed for divorce. Um, now, I, I didn't really write this down because I hate when there's conflicting sources and you can't find the full truth. Right. And I don't want to say things that are incorrect. So, here's what I'm going to tell you. They got married in 1983. 1992 is when she filed for divorce. Okay, so nine years. Pretty sure she listed the divorce, uh, the reason, as extreme cruelty. Okay. And there were mentions of sexual deviance and oh. things that he wanted her to do that she didn't want to. And mm-hmm. some of it included coprophilia. Do you know what coprophilia is? I don't. Playing with your shit, man. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Bathroom no. stuff is not okay. <laughs> Just no. saying. No, it's not. And if I can't it goes in a toilet, that's the only place it should ever go. I 100% agree with you. Um, so... I don't know how true it is. It did, what I was reading said, like, in the court documents, it did mention it at some Mm -hmm. point, but I didn't find those documents. Right. So I can't, I, I can't say for sure, but I'm telling you that's what was mentioned. So they had a very contentious divorce. Um, He was pretty pissed off about things she was telling people. They were also arguing very heavily over custody. Now, I don't understand and couldn't find information about why, if she filed for divorce in 1992, they didn't have a hearing set until 1994? Now, it could be multiple reasons. Number one, when you're going through custody, you have to take, uh, in some states at least, I don't know if it's all, you have to take uh, parenting classes. Mm-hmm. You have to be separated for X amount of time in certain states before mm-hmm. you can be divorced. And then they try to have you meet with a mediator before you go to a judge. Yeah. So that could be why I know I know people currently that are going on several years before, you know, going through the actual divorce hearing because they've tried the mediation route, they've tried to work things out outside of court. Um me personally, I I'd rather just go through court whatever. Um uh, but I understand why people take that route. Um it can delay things quite significantly, especially if you're not on the same page. Yeah, and that's usually when you see that kind of a thing, is when there's just heavy disagreements. Um, So that's what I'm imagining. It was like all Mm -hmm. that kind of process was why it took so long. So during that time, Robert told a whole bunch of people, like a whole bunch of people, that he wanted his wife dead. And he wanted to kill her or find somebody who would. Probably not a good thing. Well, it's also not a good thing when you tell your fellow officers. Nope. Or people at your gym. Nope. Again, less witnesses, the better. Yeah, well, he's a dumbass, yep. which you'll find out. So he also asked multiple people if they knew anyone who would kill his wife, including <laughs> a woman he met at a diner, which I, okay. Just wait, random wait, wait, people. Wait. And a woman he met through online dating. So I'd really like to understand how those conversations went down. Hey, Hi. my name's Robert. I want to kill my wife. How are you? <laughs> would you be willing to do it? <laughs> I'm 6'4 with brown eyes and want my wife dead. <laughs> <laughs> are you oh interested 
And that's what I mean. Like, you met a woman on online dating, and that was the way you went about talking to her. Like, hey, I want to kill my fucking ex-wife. And they're going to be like, I don't think I want a second date. No, and I'm I'm honestly (laughs) surprised, like, since he's saying this to, like, the whole damn world, why people wouldn't be like, hey, just an FYI, this guy solicited me for a date to kill his wife. Well, and Just this, saying. What, what I read, and it bothers me, and, and we can talk about that, is that uh, most people didn't take him seriously. Now, Obviously. Here's the thing, though. There's a, there's a limit. Yeah. You know, if I said to you today, like, some days I could just murder my husband, you'll blow me off. Totally. Okay? But if every time I see you I say that... I'm going to get a little bit suspicious. Because right. Because, again, you have to know the person and have to know their humor. But at the same time, I personally believe in most, like, haha, ironic, snarky jokes, there's a teeny bit of truth in there. Well, and I think it's also, like, if I said, you know, how, however mm-hmm. I just worded it because I already mm-hmm. forgot, <laughs> you would know I was joking. I but would. if I said, Carrie, do you know anybody who might kill my husband? I'd be like, You're going to be like, what's yeah. up? <laughs> Some going on? Do you need some help? I mean, not with murder, but... <laughs> Clearly I need help, Carrie. I'm asking. I'm I asking love you, for all and I help. would do anything for you, but not murder your husband. Sorry. So, and that's... I don't know, like, maybe he played it off as joking, but to me, saying it once is it's maybe ha-ha funny. Yeah. But... More than once? Uh, we gotta look into it. And you. if you're a cop, like... I feel like you have to take that with a little bit of... Yeah, more serious. Yeah. I completely agree. Well, November 9th, 1994, uh, Robert and Farrah had dinner with their children, and then Robert took the kids to church. He dropped the two youngest off at the nursery and took the oldest to catechism class. Then he attended a parents' meeting for children about to receive First Communion, and it was reported that he kept leaving the meeting to take and make phone calls. Why would your wife not be able be involved in that like that to me well, they're, they're in the middle odd. no they're in the middle of being separated but this is i understand that but your your kid is about to go through some monumental thing in in religion i would think both parents would want to be there for argument's sake and to play devil's advocate maybe there were multiple meetings before and she was going to a different one maybe or more than likely she didn't know what the hell he was doing anyway i'm gonna go with that one <laughs> Uh, because when you want your wife murdered, it's it's important to get your kids baptized. Mm. That is, like, your key priority, I think. Exactly. Wife, murder, kid, baptized. While he was at the church, Farrah went to go get a haircut. Uh, and when she pulled into her driveway around 8 p.m., neighbors heard a shot and a scream and uh, saw Farrah fall next to her vehicle. She was pronounced dead at the hospital. Witnesses reported a black man or someone dressed in all black. Now, I have to stop here because I was just like, there's a there's a big difference there. Yeah. <laughs> As between, I'm making, like, hmm. motions here. Yeah. You <laughs> a can't. black man or someone dressed in black. That, that's a very big same. difference. Yeah. Whatever. So, uh, they also said a car had pulled in front of her house and the killer got in and sped away. Hmm. Um, Robert arrived at the house a half an hour later with the children and he seemed, like, really indifferent to the officers. Like, he could care less. Like, he was more concerned about his life and what was going on than the fact that the his mother of his children were, was murdered. Well, depending on contentious divorces, you might be, be grateful. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true too. All right, so what happened was Robert had hired a man named Joseph Prestash to kill Farrah. He had been a gym buddy of Robert's, mm. and apparently he was going through some financial issues, and Robert knew that and took advantage of the situation. And as hitmen do, all good hitmen anyway, Prestash, who was 38, was like, hey, I'm going to um, hire somebody else to do it. Yeah, because I don't really want to be a murderer. But the more people in, the more cooks in the kitchen, yeah, the more fucking trouble you got. Of course. So he hired his neighbor, whose name was Howard Guidry, hmm. and he was only 18. <laughs> yeah, let's hire your kid to do this. Right. Um, they had found out that uh, the calls that Robert was making at the church were to a, a woman named Mary Gipp. She was the girlfriend of Pristache. Um, they went to her to find out, like, what was talked about or whatever, hmm. and gave her full immunity. So, nice. she testified. Good. She said she knew Farrah was going to be killed, but she didn't say anything. Uh, she knew Joseph was going to be the getaway driver and Howard would be the triggerman. Howard was going to get $1,000 for killing her. Wow. While Pristash would get a couple thousand and a jeep. Wow. So, after that, they brought in, uh, Guidry. He confessed. They arrested Pristash. He confessed. At trial, they both claimed their confessions were coerced. Of course. Of course. But all three wound up sentenced to death. Their convictions were reversed on appeal. But after retrials, all of them received the same exact sentence. And they're still on death row. A thousand dollars doesn't seem like enough to kill someone. Thank you. Thank you. I keep saying... If you're going to hire somebody to kill and they're like, I'll take 500 or I'll take 1,000, you need to run the other fucking direction. Exactly. That's not you enough You get money. what you pay for. That's so true. So true. But the fact that he only wanted to hire someone for $1,000. Like, really? You're a cop. Don't you know how this works? Look, I just can't understand it. I, I will never understand. Because if somebody told me for 1000 bucks I'll kill somebody, I'll be like, Dude, I would need a bigger payout. Like, I would need a huge-ass fucking payout. Yeah, exactly. I need to, like, do something fun with my life before I go to jail. Exactly. A thousand bucks ain't gonna give me shit. You know, you're gonna want to get out, you know, get far away. You're gonna need money to do that. You can't even, like, fly and get a hotel. Exactly. Like, y'all still stuck up in the same house that you left in. Like, no. I better be getting something for this. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree. Not that I've ever thought about it. Yeah. I wouldn't. There's, we talk there's, about it way too often. Yeah, there's no <laughs> amount of money that you could give me to, to hurt another person because I, I just don't. Again. I'll do it for free. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, don't talk about me like that. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. And the whole hiring a hitman thing is. Every everything I've ever read or like watched videos on or whatever of people hiring a hitman, I just shake my head the entire time and i'm like this is so stupid you are so stupid yeah because this is not know that it's set up it's somebody that they have they have no trust no you know you can't trust that person like you don't know what they're gonna do they're probably don't have you know all the screws in tight obviously and then this is somebody you're trusting with a secret to do something not only that but i think honestly it's pretty cowardice for you to hire somebody else to do your own dirty work i agree with that 100 percent. do you do you understand uh or, or do you have a thought on do you think that criminals 
really understand anything about a criminal process before they start doing dumb shit? They can't. There, there's no way they can, because, like, in all the cases that we've covered so far, like, there are so many freaking holes that if you just stop and thought about what you were doing, you would realize that that's a really stupid, bad idea. And you're gonna get caught. When I, uh, as we're talking, like, I'm thinking about it, like, when you hire a hitman or whatever, like, I'm thinking about cases where they've solved them, where, um... They use the Mr. Big scenario. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard this? No. So Mr. Big is like a mafia guy. He's a big like right. gang person or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to have you come work for them if you tell them the things that you've done. Right. And these motherfuckers fall for it. Like, yeah, I know. I don't <laughs> under... Like, I'm sorry. Awesome. Some dude calls me to a hotel room and he's like, you are the man. I'm going to hire you if you tell me how you killed your wife. No. How dumb are you? How no. dumb are you? Oh, my God. I but, I, you know, I have to give the credit to the guy whose wife he killed with his knife collection that apparently got stolen, where his <laughs> wife is praying by the side of the bed, and he got caught through the contact lenses. That's always going to be my favorite, I think. Yeah. But, like, he's probably the smartest one of the bunch, and that's not saying much. No. Not at all. But anyway, that sums up part one of this episode of Police That Turned into killers. Check back with us next week for part two. Thank you guys for listening. We have a new Facebook page called Crime Bitches Countdown. Bitches is spelled with the number one because you know you can't say bitches on Facebook. So it's spelled B number one T C H E S. We appreciate any comments or feedback you have for us. Leave us a message. We'll get back to you. Um, we also have an email address, crimebitchescountdown at gmail.com. Bitches spell the same way with the, the number one instead of an I. Um, like I said, we appreciate any feedback. Um, we'd love to hear what you think, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so please feel free to message us. We'll go back to you. Thanks.